nothing. You ain't. Well, again, I want to say good morning to you. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are going to go ahead and wrap up our series on what God wants. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open them too. Or if you have a digital copy, you can turn it on uh, to Matthew chapter 11. The message entitled, The Blessing of Rest. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who is tired. Now, I'm not talking about physical tiredness. I'm talking about mental, emotional tiredness. The tiredness that comes from the harder, when the harder you try, the worse things seem to get. The tiredness that comes from working as hard as you can, but just not seeming to get anywhere. I wonder how many people have that kind of tiredness kind of tiredness that makes you just want to throw your hands up, to give up, and maybe even to walk away from some stuff, like your marriage, your family, maybe your job, maybe even sometimes if you're honest, you want to walk away from your life because of this mental and emotional tiredness. If that's you this morning, I, I want to say two things. Number one, I want to say welcome, because the second thing I want to say to you is this. God has word for you today. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're not that tired. All right, maybe, maybe physically you're tired, but mentally, emotionally, you're okay. It doesn't mean that this isn't for you. Rather, tuck God's word away for that moment in life when you get this tired. Because the blessing of rest is this. Here's the one big thing, that we experience God's grace only as we rest in him. So let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to begin in verse 28 and ask if you can and are able. Would you stand as we honor the reading of this word together? The word of God says, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden his life. Father God, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to study. And Lord, this morning we acknowledge that because we live in a fallen, sin-sickened world, life can be difficult. And sometimes mentally and emotionally, we're just drained. We don't see the end in sight. Sometimes it feels like the light at the end of the tunnel is a train getting ready to run us over. The Father in you, we could have the blessing of rest. And so I pray, Father, that the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word 
would be evident as we study Scripture today. I pray that you give me the words that need to be said and the ability to be silent when all that's needed to be said has been said. And in all things, Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, the one big thing is this. We experience God's grace only as we rest in him. As we come into verse 28 here, Jesus gives us the invitation Now, Matthew chapter 11 is Jesus talking to a crowd. If you were to read Matthew 11, verses 20 through 24, it is a crowd that is hostile towards Jesus. They have not believed in him as the Son of God or the Messiah. This was a crowd that was worn out and had been worn down because their entire life, the religious leaders, had taught them the only way to be right with God was to do good works. You keep the law and you would be right with with God. And so this was a crowd that had been working and striving for their salvation. And they were wore out. Because not only was there the law, but then there were the Pharisees who had added to the law. And on top of it, Jesus says in Matthew 23, that though the Pharisees had added to the law, they didn't lift one finger to help the people keep the law, nor did they themselves even strive to truly keep it. So these were people who were frustrated mentally and emotionally. They were wore out. So what Jesus says in the opening of our text is both surprising and probably very welcome. You see, Jesus gives these workers of self-righteousness an invitation to come to him. Now, why come to him? Because Matthew 5, 17 is where Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law. So the very thing that they were striving to keep, the thing that they were trusting in to save them, Jesus said, I fulfilled it. You don't have to try to keep the law perfectly because I have kept it perfectly. Therefore, his invitation is to experience life And that invitation says, come unto me. It's because Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus was saying the very thing that you're looking for and longing for, the very thing that you are killing yourself to try to experience, I'll freely give you if you come to me. If you trust in me, in faith and what I'm going to do with the cross he offers this life this love this joy this peace this acceptance see this was a nation that their identity was in keeping the law they believed that they were good people and that God was happy because they kept the law and the rest of the world didn't what they didn't understand is that only Jesus can give us our identity Maybe some of you this morning are having an identity crisis. You get your identity from what you do in life. Or from your marriage, or from your kids, 
or your possessions or your bank account or your education or, or whatever else. But that means everything to you and that gives you status and importance. Yet every bit of that is temporary and can be taken in a moment. It's only when we are resting and rooted in Christ as our identity that we experience the blessing of rest. See, Jesus is saying to the the rest that the people are longing for can only be found in Him. So the invitation that He was giving to them in Matthew 11 is the same invitation that He is giving to you this morning. Come unto Me. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to do enough religious things to be saved and rest and trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, he gives this invitation because of our condition. The condition of the people then and the condition of us today, in verse 28, is all ye that labor and are heavy laden. This is a picture of somebody who is trying to carry a very heavy burden, and it's gotten so heavy that their knees are about to buckle under the pressure. I wonder how many of you this morning have a mental load on you right now, like you are worried about so many things right now that you feel like you're about to break. Jesus ain't come to me. This is the picture he's given us. You know, one of the pastors I love to listen to is uh, Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. down in Jacksonville. I actually heard him teach on this text uh, several months back, and he told a story in relation to it He talks about one day he was home uh, on an off day and his wife called him. And she said, honey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to get your recliner that's in our bedroom. I need you to get it out of our bedroom and get it by the door. Now, honey, don't try to do this alone. Our son is home. Get your son to help you get that chair out of the bedroom to, to the door. And then she added something else. She said, honey, I, uh, I need it done by the time I get home from work. So they hang up. Well, H.B. Charles, because he is a man, and every man in here would do the exact same thing, said, how dare you question my manhood? I do not need my son to help get that chair from my bedroom to that door. I can do it. He was so confident in his own ability, he didn't even tell his son about the conversation. Instead, he sets out to go to the bedroom, and he begins to work the chair, trying to get out of the bedroom to the door. At this point, he realized something. This chair is a whole lot heavier than I thought it was. But he's a man. I'm not asking my son. I'm going to get this chair out this bedroom and to that door. And so he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he managed to get the chair to the door, but not the door leading outside, no, 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 to the bedroom door, and it got stuck, and as he was trying to figure his way out of the predicament, the worst possible thing happened, his wife showed up, and when she saw where the chair was, she was not happy. Because, well, his wife wasn't alone. There were two guys from the local furniture shop 
that had a brand new recliner that she had bought for him as a surprise. And these guys were going to carry that new chair from the truck and set it up in the bedroom, but now they couldn't do it because, in her words, you couldn't follow simple instructions. As wives are known to do, she looked at her husband and said, I ought to take this chair back. But because I love you, I'm not. Now, here was the the point. He said, I almost missed the blessing because I didn't follow the instructions. My fear is some of you even here this morning are in the same boat. You are going to miss the blessing of a relationship with God. You are going to miss the blessing of salvation because you are refusing to listen to the instructions. Come unto me. Jesus wasn't giving this instruction just to give it. He was saying, I am the only way you can get to the Father. He was saying, come unto me, because there is no other way. See, the cross isn't about our faith plus our works. The cross is about Jesus' work on the cross. In becoming our substitute, in taking our sin, and in exchange giving us his righteousness. But not only is this invitation to come unto me for salvation, but it's also to sustain our life. Because there are some here this morning who probably forget from time to time that God is the all-sufficient one or the all-powerful one. And this is how you forget. You're going through life, and life gets heavy, And somebody says, well, you just need to give it to God. You need to pray about it. You're like, you're right. But have you ever noticed, have you ever been guilty that when you go down, you lay down the burden? But when you get up, you pick it up? Is that you this morning? See, some of you are going to buckle under the weight of the burdens you're carrying because you're trying to play God because you are trying to carry a burden that you were never meant to carry and that you are incapable of carrying and so Jesus' invitation to you come to me when you go down to lay it down the only thing that we need to then pick up is our hands to praise God because he has lightened our load and he is worthy of our praise. You're carrying these burdens this morning. You came in here with the weight of the world on your shoulders. And Jesus is saying, give to me. I got this. You don't worry about it. I've already figured it out. Lay it down. But Jesus doesn't just give us a promise. He doesn't just give us an invitation. He then gives us a promise in this text. Again, look at verse 28. So the invitation is come unto me. Who? All of us. And here's this promise. I will give you rest. Now the word rest there is uh, sabbaton. It's where you get the word Sabbath. 
So don't miss this. Jesus is saying, come unto me because I am your Sabbath. I am your rest. The rest of working your way to heaven, I take care of it. The rest that you need from the difficulties in life, I give it. He is offering us a promise if we will come to him on his condition. It's a promise that we can never lose. Because salvation is a gift by God and from God. It is one that he will never take from you. But the people in Jesus' day, and sadly many even today, are walking around and laying down that burden, but then they're picking it right back up. They say, oh, I love you, Jesus, but I, I got to do good works. I love you, Jesus, but, but I got to do this. Have you ever heard somebody talk about, you know, they're, they're telling you the problems and you say, well, let's pray about it. No, 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 no. I, you know, I just, I, I pray about the big thing. This is a little thing. You ever heard somebody say that? You ever been that person? You know, the amazing thing is, we should learn not to sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Because there's a sovereign, all-powerful God who knew it was coming before you ever saw it. Who already had a plan before you even started thinking about your plan. And who knows how he's going to work it out before you figure it out. Lay it down. He said, I'll give you rest. Is your marriage struggling? Come to Jesus, he'll give you rest. You, you, you having issues with kids? Come to Jesus. He'll give you rest. Marriage, uh, finances, jobs, whatever it is, Jesus says, come to me. He didn't put any discomfort on. He says, come to me, and I will give you what you're longing for, what your soul needs. But we need to be warned this morning that this invitation comes with requirements. And that's the rest of, verse, uh, of this passage, verse 29 and 30. See, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, this is where the rubber's going to meet the road, okay? The word order in our verses is very important. In verse 28, he starts out by saying, come. And then essentially, verse 29 is him saying, follow. Now, why is that important? Because you have to come to Jesus and belong to Jesus before you can follow Jesus. You can do all the religious work in the world. You can try to follow Jesus. But if you have not first come to him, it's pointless. But when we come in faith, he gives us the rest we need. And then he says, follow. Come and follow. Over and over, what we saw in the ministry of Jesus is when his crowd started getting bigger, he would pull out his hardest sermons. Uh, the one that comes into mind is John 6. It's Jesus' bread of life sermon. At the end of this sermon, it started out a big crowd. At the end of the sermon, some people who called themselves disciples, the Bible says they walked away from him that day and never followed him. Because it was just too much. Why would Jesus... 
pull out a hard sermon. I mean, if you look at the American church landscape today, big crowds what we want, right? How can we get more people and big builder buildings and all of this stuff? That's the American idea of Christianity. But Jesus did the exact opposite. Why would he do that? It's not that Jesus was against big crowds. He gave a universal invitation in verse 28. Come to me. The reason he would do it is this. He knew how difficult the road was going to be. And he didn't want them committing to something without knowing what it was going to cost them. He didn't want them to start something that they would never be able to finish. We see that in the end of Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The two builders, you remember the one that built on a rock and the one that built on sand? Luke 9, he tells us to count the cost of being a disciple. One of the things I believe that we need to recover within the church uh, as a whole is this. We need to start preaching the full message of salvation. For about 30 years now, what's happened is in stadiums and sporting uh, venues, music venues, and even churches, there's been this message that says, come to Jesus, be forgiven, and all is fine. Now, on the surface, that sounds great. But here's where they were really saying Come to Jesus and then live your life however you want. That church is a false doctrine. That's a false gospel. We have to dispense and dispel this myth that Jesus is okay being the Savior of your heart, but it's optional for him to be your Lord. We need to get rid of this because it's a lie from the pit of hell and it smells like smoke it is purely birth from Satan because repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin I repent by turning from my sin not just to kind of stare off in the space and do whatever I want I return from my sin so that in faith which is a gift from God I turn to Christ This is a biblical message of salvation that we have to recover because what we have done is created this culture of easy believism that says, hey, you just, uh, you need Jesus, so raise your hand, repeat a prayer after me, and now all is good. That they may not be. The truth is that many people want all the benefits of heaven without living the life that God called us to. A life that says every single day I have to die to myself so that I can live for Him. Every moment I have to turn from my sin and turn in faith to Jesus. This is what He taught. This is the biblical gospel now Jesus says take my yoke upon you now a yoke is is a common piece of farming equipment it's been very understandable to his audience and many here in southwest Virginia see farmers would have this yoke and they would put a pair of ox in now they wouldn't put two weak oxes together because nothing get done 
And they wouldn't put two strong oxes in the same yoke because they'd constantly be fighting each other. So what you do is you put one strong and one weak. And the strength of the one would compensate for the weakness of the other so that in tandem they would go where they're supposed to. Now what in the world does this have to do with you and I? Tell me what Jesus says here. He says, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is in the yoke with us. That the burdens and the difficulties of life, God has not left us to figure it out ourselves. There is never a time in which as a child of God, we are void of his power or his presence. God is always with us. And the thing about it is this. He goes on to say that my yoke is easy. Why is his yoke easy? Because he's doing all the work. I don't have to figure out the Christian life. All I got to do is pray and submit to the teachings of Scripture. And God will work in me and through me to do what I was created to do. Now, how do I know that? Glad you asked that question. An astute question. Because of what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, we talk about salvation, we typically only give them verses 8 and 9. It says, for my grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, we typically stop there. Don't stop there, because the pastor doesn't end there. See, we were saved by grace through faith for a purpose. Look at verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk. Jesus did not save you so that you could sit sour and soak while you waited to go into his presence. He saved you by grace through faith for a purpose, to do good works that he will empower you to do as you rest in him. You were saved for purpose. Now there's one other thing that we need to see this morning. Right there at the end of verse 30. It says, my burden is light. Now, in our minds, we typically skip over one word and jump to the next. Let's not do that this morning. It says, for my yoke is easy and, what's that next word? My. See, we typically skip over my just we read and burden of life. Why does Jesus say that the burden is his? Because you're carrying a load that you were never meant to carry. And the other side of it is this. God will give you burdens so that you'll see the sufficiency of him. God never promised us an easy life. He never said it was going to be all sunshine and roses. All sunshine and no rain only makes a desert. My burden is life. So what this means for us, church, is this. That when God brings a burden into your life or my life, it serves a purpose. What is that purpose? Let's look at it. All right, so it starts in Romans 8.1. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. 
So when you come in faith to Jesus, all your sins, past, present, and future, have been dealt with. God has sovereignly declared you not guilty. So if he's not trying to punish me with difficulties, what is he trying to do? Well, pick it up in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who are decalled according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine, then he also called. Whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. So if we put the whole picture together, Christians who have been declared not guilty still experience burdens in life not to punish, but rather to purify us and make us more like Jesus so that we can do the works he created us to do. We'll sum it up this way. God never wastes your pain. There's a plan and a purpose behind it. And it's either to draw you into a relationship with him or it's to make you more like him. But let's not ever think that God is not in the difficulties of life. Because he says, I will, these, these are my burdens. But even in the grand scheme, the burdens that we face in life, in comparison to what Jesus went through, so that we could be forgiven. The temporary things that we suffer that frustrate us and all of this in the moment, in context of eternity, are dropping the bucket. See, what we get stressed out about is the temporary. Christ is trying to get us to focus on the eternal. And here's a beautiful promise that that Scripture gives us. God will never close his ear to our call. Psalm 34, verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Yeah, I remember reading a story a few years ago. It was about a little boy, and, and his dad was a workaholic. I mean, his dad worked 60, 70 hours a week. His son was always, hey, Dad, come on, play with me, play with me, let's go do this. I can't, I can't, I can't. I got to work. I can't. Leave me alone. I got to work. And so one day, the, the little boy walks up to his dad and, and says, hey, Dad, how much do you make? Oh, his dad got furious. How dare you ask me that question? Why what, would you ask me a question? And the boy with just tears in his eyes said, I just wanted to know how much money I needed so I could buy an hour of the time. I wonder I wonder if that's true of us I praise God it's never true of God that there's not a time and a place that I cannot just cry out to my father in heaven and say daddy I'm hurting dad I'm broken I'm scared I'm confused I don't know what to do God I'm angry and it says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open You know, admitting your inability to save yourself is not being weak. It's the beginning of God's grace. 
The call to come unto me, those who are laboring and heavy laden, is an invitation to a new beginning, a, a life in which God's grace is not only sufficient to save your soul, it will sustain you regardless of what comes to your life and is a grace that will safely lead you into his presence for all of eternity. And so again, let me ask, do you know the blessing of rest? Have you come to that point in which you have rested not in yourself, not in your abilities, but the amazing, indescribable grace of God to save you if not, his invitation is to come. Maybe you have, but life is kicking your backside right now. And you are carrying a burden. And you feel like at any moment, I'm just going to buckle under the weight. His invitation is come unto me. He's all you ever need. So the question is, what are we going to do? Would you stand with me for a little bit? Father, as we continue just to, to move through this time of worship, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. We thank you for the opportunity to come in here with brothers and sisters in Christ and to sing to you to study your word. Father, I, I have no doubt that there are people who are tired. There are people here who are, who are just exhausted because they keep trying to work and be good enough. They're trying to earn your love, yet the scripture says that you demonstrated your love toward us and while we were sinners, you died for us. So, Lord, let us rest and, and trust that you loved us at our worst. You gave us your best. And so there's nothing more we can do to earn your love. Father, and most likely those who are carrying these burdens, and they're suffering in silence, Yet you know them. And you're inviting them just to come in the way and down and to trust you. So, Father, there's nothing more we can say than to simply repeat the words of Jesus Come unto me, all who labor and heavy labor, and I will give you rest. Let those who need it come that we may praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. If we can pray for you, help you in any way, let's sing greater you, Lord.